Located in North Louisiana, Evening Light Tabernacle has always held forth the scripture that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today we invite you to delve into the scripture with us as the ministry discusses God's truth in our day. Hello everyone, we are the ministry team at Evening Light Tabernacle and we are happy that you have joined with us for this discussion today. A pastor friend of mine, Reverend Henry Green, once said, God started the church the way that he wanted it. And now he wants the church the way that he started it. And that is going to be our topic this evening as we just share with one another things that are really dear to our heart. One thing I would like to pose the, the question to you brothers that are here today, really, what is it that defines the church? There are 41,000 denominations, each with their various doctrines. They have their own beliefs, their standards, and their views. Can all of these be right? What do you think? Certainly not. The Bible only speaks of one church, and um, the Bible would have to set the pattern of what church that is. And there, I, I mean, I feel like there has to be an absolute, you know, something that you can judge by because we can't rightly judge one denomination or one thought by another thought or one man's thought by another man's thought. We have to have something that sets the pattern. You know, I don't think that's what the Word of God is, is the pattern. Yes, sir. So Jesus Christ would be that absolute and his word, right? His word, yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, absolute is a, it means perfect, it's a positive, it's unquestionable. And there's only one thing that's unquestionable, and that's his word. Yes, sir. He said, heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never fail. As we ponder the word church, though, we must go back to what does that word truly mean? The word church means called out. So we see that Jesus set the pattern, calling those out of, of what? What was he calling them out of, and what was he calling them into? I think when we think about the churches, why do we have 41,000 churches? Is it Jesus calling men out of 41,000 churches who set their own, what they would be, denominational background? Or is it man's making in that regard? And what happens is when men start interpreting the word to themselves, you know, that I'll never interpret exactly the way you interpret it, and you'll never interpret it exactly the way I interpret it. So what happens is, is men begin to interpret things, and you end up with this idea, which becomes a church, and then this idea, which becomes a church, and you end up with 41,000 different ones because they're not going back to the absolute that exactly. Timothy spoke of. But there must be a church. There has there must to be, be a church. because Jesus said he would return for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, so then how, how do we know what is the true representation of Christianity? What would define that? Because there must be a truth. Yes. I think we have a pattern that lays before us. It's the Word of God. Mm -hmm. We go back to the Word to find the pattern for what the church should be. So we go back to the original gospel? We go back to the original gospel. All right. So then the question comes today is, is with 41,000, not churches, denominations. Right. Yes. 41,000 different denominations. Each one of these are saying, 
I am the way or we are the way. And yet there has to be but one way. And I've just got to believe that God's got a people and that is still longing in their hearts to see God. Yes, sir. That they want to see the reality oh, of Christ. Exactly. Yes, sir. There was a question that was asked Jesus. They said, uh, in I believe it's Matthew 19, they were asking him a question on marriage and divorce. Could a man put away his wife for any cause? And Jesus said, that Moses gave them the writing of divorcement because of the hardening of the hearts. But the beginning, from the beginning, it wasn't, it wasn't so. So, from the beginning. so Jesus, in order to answer the question of that day or to correct the error of that day, he went back to the beginning. And the reason for this is because God is perfect and every decision he makes is perfect. Everything God does is perfect. So if we can go back to the beginning, which Jesus went back to Genesis to answer the question of that day and to correct the error of that day, then we could go back to the original church that's defined in the scriptures and exactly. we could see the pattern. It would correct the error and it would tell us how to worship God in spirit and in truth. So then it would be a book of Acts church. Yes, sir. So yes, then sir. Jesus uh, had spoke to Paul actually that said that he would sanctify and cleanse a church by the washing of the water by the word, as it says in the book of Ephesians, so that he could present himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Do you think in this day and time that God possibly could have a church that would be without spot or wrinkle or blemish? Is he truly coming for something like that? Or is he just taking everybody to heaven? The Bible can't be wrong. Exactly. Right. He's, I mean, he's returning for one church. Yeah. I think that's the idea you find, though, is that he's returning to take everyone to heaven. And then that's where you find in this day what the, the term we may refer to as easy believism, that just, just shake hands with the minister and, and just put your name on the book and, and you're okay, you're going to go to heaven. But if we really will look at that in the scripture and look at the mirror of God's word, that's not so. It can't be so. Well, what it is is man taking God's word to fit his idea versus taking God's word and fitting their self to that to match the word. They're making the word match how they want it to. So it becomes easy believism. You can do this or you can do that. And you, you find that once that happens, you deviate off the pattern. Yes. You deviate off the word, which we know the word is an absolute because God doesn't change. So if he explains a word or gives us a word, then God can't deviate off his word. He's he's infinite. We're finite. We change. We can change our ideas, our views, uh, but God can't. He so can. when God puts it on paper and then that paper becomes in the heart of man, there's going to be somebody to match it. Yes. And I, I mean, I, what I see looking in the book of Acts, we find the church with power in it. Exactly. You know, not a not a church that was living in there's you know, we continue a Peter that would continue denying Christ. Um, but once the Holy Ghost came and I think that's where churches are today, you know, they they think the Holy Ghost apparently is powerless. Yeah. But we've witnessed, you know, the Holy Ghost in power. That's right. In just a moment that'll change a life that you don't have to live in sin no more. Amen. You don't have to live. He didn't come to save you in your sins. He exactly. came to save you from your Dead sins. In, in Acts 4, it says that. It says they did testify of Jesus with great power. Great so power. Not, not just word only. It was yes. there in Acts 4.33. said it was with great power that they testified of Jesus. So that power, if it was there in the beginning in the book of Acts, it must be, once again, if it's the true church. Yeah. 
Well, say Paul would say um, in Thessalonians, he said, our gospel came not unto you in word only. So, you know, we have churches with teachings, doctrines, philosophies, um, you know, good thoughts. But Paul said, but it didn't come in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. So then if we're going to have a book of Acts church, then we would have a Holy Ghost church. Yes. We would have one that, of course, had the word, but not word only, but it would be also in power and with much assurance. Um, It is just like Paul would also say in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, he said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So we've got a responsibility to uh, search out the true salvation and, and to find that because he said, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness. And I think this is key that if a church is a true church, that God will bear them witness. And how he bore them witness was both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost yeah. according to his own will. Amen. I think you you know, you know, said it exactly right. You found one of the first notable miracles that was done in the church, and that was in Acts 3 and verse 1, to the lame beggar. Okay. You know, here he comes, Peter and John coming to him, and silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'm going to impart to you. Yes. So right. That's not man's ability. That's the power of the Holy Ghost exactly. to resurrect a lame man. That also seat. shows, though, there's a power within the church that they have something to give. Exactly. That's correct. And, and that the emphasis is not on silver and gold, exactly. but on the power that we have to give that would make a crippled man walk right. or make a blind man see or make a deaf man hear or make a sinner become a child of God. Exactly. I heard it said that you know money is not going to convert the world. It's going to be the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to bring the conversion. So yes. we find it here in Acts 3, silver and gold money is not going to do the job, but it's men whose hearts are aflame that have something to give. Hallelujah. An yes. expression, they've seen it because it's not only impacted their life and changed them, but now it's an outflow. It's like, you know, fire shut up in our bones, if Amen. you'd say. It just, it has to release and share it with somebody else, and then it catches fire, and that person gets delivered or healed or whatever it may be. You know, I believe that miracles and signs and wonders are going to follow the true church. Yeah. So salvation is actually healing on the soul realm or or even the spirit realm. But um, healing is on the physical realm. But it's all of what Christ did exactly. at Calvary. Exactly. Something that is, that is just marvelous to me is one of the last things that Jesus said. It's one of his parting words he says in Mark 16. And he uses the word shall with it. And shall is a strong assertion. He asserts these signs shall follow them that believe. Seven times, seven times with emphasis, he says this. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So if we're going to be a true church, then it looks like we would 
be a people who practice, not just preached or talked about the goodness of God and give you a good feeling or whatever, but more than that, that we, we assert the same things that Jesus said that we would do. These signs shall follow them that believe. You instantly see that coming to pass in the book of Acts. Uh, you know, right there in, in Acts 5, it, it, it speaks of them laying people in the street so that Peter's shadow may, may pass over. And then it says they would brought all their sick and afflicted and those with, with tormenting spirits. And it says, and all of them were healed. Every, every last one of them. So speaking of what you said, it's kind of a, a face the mirror moment. If you're, if you're in a church and you're not seeing these things and yet the scripture is very plain, if you believe these signs shall follow. That, that's not something that's up for debate. So, so wherein is the issue? Well, I think the issue lays in 2 Timothy 3.16 when the Bible says that all of Scripture is given by inspiration or the anointing of the Holy Ghost or the anointing of God. And it's profitable, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that all man be made, may be made perfect. So we see that you've got to come back to either God's word is the absolute, it's the truth, it's inspired, or it's not inspired. If it's not inspired, then you need to get away from it. But if it's inspired, then these things are going to take place. That's right. Well, you know, it seems to me that the gospel has turned more into an entertainment. And this is more what it's about, that they've turned it into a gospel in other words, the good news is is uh, we're going to have fun with um, dancing and rock and roll and, and popcorn and our favorite movie, you know, and that's the good news. The yeah. good news is there's a living Christ. Amen. And he's a resurrected Christ. You know, and Jesus said that the gospel of this kingdom must be preached. And that word also means to be demonstrated into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So if we're here at the end time, which I believe we are, exactly. then, then the gospel must be preached and demonstrated. And as Paul said, it didn't come in word only, but it came with power and with much assurance and in the Holy Ghost. So this is very important. You know, um, today mission work is done. And what we are calling doing mission work is now educating, um, teaching them skills, uh, humanitarian efforts such as hospital um, clinics, uh, teaching hygiene, and um, you know, teaching them how to grow food or whatever. And all of those things are good, but really, is that the gospel being so, preached? I, th I think it goes back again, back to that beggar. Here's a man born in this situation, no strength to stand on his own. And, you know, the, the disciples that came there, they knew that the, what they had, that silver and gold was not going to make the difference this man needed in his exactly life. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. You know, and really, the humanitarian efforts and the education, all that has its place, but that's not the difference that where Jesus was speaking about, go ye into the world and preach the gospel. And the difference was there was a power that could raise that man up off his afflicted condition exactly. and give him strength to stand and strength to overcome and strength to provide and strength. And, and that's what this word will do. This word don't leave you in that broken down condition. Yeah. It's not here to offer you money or offer you silver and gold. No, a power to raise you up out of that place and to make you able to stand. 
and stay yes. in the face of that. And you notice that blind beggar, as soon as immediately after he was made well, he went into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. He had a reason to rejoice. He yeah. just felt that power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That power fear, just changed his life. I fear the church has moved off of the foundation of the power of God and have substituted the power of God for program, for organization, for entertainment. Mm -hmm. right. but, but the same power that raised a man that was born lame, that's the same power it takes to to take a drunkard off the street and make him a preacher Absolutely. of the gospel. Mm -hmm. exactly. It takes the power of God to change the appetite of a man, mm -hmm. to take an ungodly man and make him holy, and to make him uh, thirst and for the kingdom of God and become a child of God. And I fear that, that we have left the foundation as the church of the living God as a whole, that men have left the foundation of the power of God. And many times it's even said that the the power of God was for the apostles, that it, it wasn't for this day, or right. healing was for another day. And it's an argument that's uh, very prevalent in, in the day that we live. But that ain't what the scripture says. Right. No. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Mm -hmm. I Amen. Mean, if he healed then, he heals now. If he saved then, he saves now. I mean, he's same in every detail, you know. And so I I, I believe the church, if they want to be a powerful church, they've got to go back to what was at the beginning. I believe that. Perhaps, perhaps uh, we should maybe delve into the scripture and go back to the foundation and uh, pull from the scriptures what exactly was the first church and define it by the word. Exactly. Uh, well, you know, Amos 8.11 said that the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but for hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. So it tells you that the end time is going to be a time where there is going to be a lot of deception, a lot of confusion, like I said, instead of one way that we started out with, where Jesus said, I am the way, yes. the truth and the life, and there was one way, that now we have 41,000 different ways. And all of these are claiming to be the way to God. But surely there has to be one. And I can see, I believe there's a hunger in the hearts of people today to know the living God. Absolutely. And so the next time we come back, uh, we are going to be talking more about this church that Jesus Christ claims as his own because I believe all else is false. It has Amen. to be. Amen. There has to be one way. Be one. And, and that one way is Jesus Amen. and the church that he has called for the last day. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining with the ministry team at Evening Light Tabernacle. For more information on what you have heard today, please visit us at eveninglight.net. May God bless you.